welcome to Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. It is show number 122. My name is Andrew Murata, host of the program, and thank you for tuning in this morning. Show number 122, uh, Education, Leadership, and Beyond. Happy to be a member of the Education Podcast Network. Happy to uh, be going on Voice Ed Radio Canada, and happy to be here with you. Hope you are well. Well wishes uh, during our uh, time here, the coronavirus and, and being home and just turning the education world upside down. So uh, thank you to Dr. Stevenson for tuning in. Uh, today's guest coming on here in just a moment is Tom Ricard. Tom is the assistant principal at Minnesing Valley Middle School in New York and uh, my former assistant principal at Port Jervis uh, where we grew, grew very close um, and Tom is also a head men's basketball coach at SUNY Orange, which we're going to talk to him that he had kind of left that and came back to that. So uh, excited to have Tom on today, carving out some time, his busy family, his busy schedule. And we're going to talk education, talk leadership, talk life, uh, and excited about that. That being said, how are you doing? Are you okay? Are you taking care of yourself? I want to give you two simple things today that, that you could do for yourself. Uh, things that you could do. Uh, they don't take a lot of time, but people, everyone's asking, right? Like, what are you doing? How are you adjusting? How are you doing this? It's important that you take care of yourself. It's important that you are exercising and getting yourself on a schedule. Um, I've got a bunch of little kids at home. Tom's got more than me. You know, he's got four children, little ones at home. And it's important to create that time for yourself to continue to develop yourself, sharpen your saw. And um, so two things. Number one, I want you to get a notebook, right? Where's mine? It's right here. I want you to get a notebook, and I want you to call this number every day, 973-743-4690. 973-743-4690. This is my second notebook that I have. And Tom knows what this is. Dr. D knows what this is. But it's filled with information. And it's information from the success hotline. I've gotten to know Dr. Rob Gilbert now, thanks to Jared Kamar so many years ago. I don't know, four or five years I've been calling. And I got, again, two notebooks filled with just information here, tips, support, stories. Dr. Rob, success hotline, 973-743-4690. Who would have known that three minutes a day could change your life? So, um, that is one thing I, I would challenge you to do. Get that notebook. Call each day. Call with your kids there. Call with your spouse. Uh, it, it has changed my life. Dr. Rob, uh, fantastic. And um, I would encourage you to do the same. One of the things that Dr. Rob motivated me to do some years ago, I read this book. All right. And I'll pull this up there. How I Raised Myself from Failure to Success in Selling by Frank Becker. I'm not a salesperson, nor is Tom Ricard. The, the first chapter, 30 days in a row. Sounds crazy, right? It sounds crazy. Why would I do that? Why would I do it? Because that builds habits, right? It starts out as a thin uh, string and it gets stronger into a, a strong cord that builds habits. So I would challenge you to read this book 30 days in a row, the first chapter. And it's about energy and enthusiasm. How could you have energy and enthusiasm during this time? It's a rainy day here in the Northeast. It's kind of cold. You know, it's kind of, it brings you down. But when you get yourself up and you get that energy going, those are things that you can do to better yourself and those around you. So two small tips 
uh, 973-743-4690, Dr. Rob Gilbert, and uh, uh, read the first chapter of this book. You can get it very cheap on Amazon, How I Raised Myself from Failure to Success in Selling by Frank Becker. Enough talking by me. Let's bring in Tom Ricard, uh, my good friend here. He's coming on. And bam, there he is. Hey, Tom, welcome to Education Leadership Beyond. Hey, Andrew, thanks for having me. Yeah, good to be with you. Good to see you. You look great. You look fantastic. You know, I actually, I got I gained a few pounds since you saw me last, so I got to drop a few. But uh, you mentioned Dr. Gilbert. So one, one thing that I took away from Dr. Gilbert, I, I called the show, and he has that great story about the lion in the jungle and the lion in the zoo. You know, which one would you rather be or which one do you want to be? And, and that's the story I told my team this year. Do we want to be lions in the zoo or do you want to be lions in the jungle? And uh, the kids loved it. Yeah. Yeah. So many great stories. And again, I encourage people to call. Just yesterday, he had the story of two twins. Uh, they were in ICU. The, the one was not doing well and the other one was fine. The one, it didn't look like the kid was going to make it. And the nurse on her own, she, she said, we got to do it. And she put the other kid in the, in the same you know, yeah. I don't know, basket, whatever you bassinet, you know, and the healthy kid rolled over and put the arm on the kid that wasn't doing well. And that touch, that yeah. connection rose that kid up. And yeah. we're not able to touch and connect those that we work with, inspire now. But how can we do that as school leaders? Right. And that was something I took away. Uh, but, Tom, for those that don't know you and so many in this area and so many people watching live here now do know you if you want to leave a question for Tom or I. But if you, the people that don't know you, Tom, uh, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Yeah, short little bio on me. I, I, I pretty much have been a lifelong resident of Orange County. I mean, I was born in Queens, New York. Uh, my dad taught high school and coached high school basketball down there in, in Long Island. And I lived in Queens. We moved up here when I was in third grade and went to Middletown schools. Then I moved out to Otisville, where I live now. And I've been in Otisville now for, for over 30 years and uh, been a teacher, coach for over 20 now. So um, you know, I'm married, have four for all four awesome kids under nine years old. Um, so <laughs> a little bit about me. Yeah. Yeah. The, the four kids, I'm getting a greater appreciation for my wife, Amy, uh, being home every day with these kids. Yeah. 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 The, the ladies, uh, certainly, uh, taking care of that, but yeah, doing so much, uh, great work. Your father, we're going to talk a little bit about your father <clears throat> and you, you know, you're just your family. You got a wonderful family. You're, you're blessed. Um, but Tom, this year, you know, you were at Minnesink and, and you decided to, to, you know, get back into coaching right around this time last year, I saw the announcement call like, Whoa, you know, tell me about that transition about you going back to, to coach where you coached before, where your dad coached, you know, SUNY Orange. Tell me about that. So with the coaching, so I, I grew up around it. So I, my, you know, again, my dad coached high school basketball. So ever since I was able to walk, I was going to basketball practices and then he coached at the community. He coached at Pine Bush High School as well, also up here in the late 70s, early 80s. And then he now and he coached at SUNY Orange for 25 years, and I was with him the whole time. Played for him, assistant coach. Um, when he retired, I became the head coach at Orange. And I was the head coach for seven years, and I loved it. And uh, for those people who are in coaching, it's the connections you make with the players. And that's really it. And one of my, one of my uh, proudest moments are when you make the connections – and then you watch the kid, you practice, practice, and then the game is like a teacher's assessment. That's my assessment, right, the game. And then when you see the plan and the hard work all pay off, it really is exciting for me. So I, I, I miss the connection with the kids because 
then we started having a family um, and we had kids, we have, we have four in a very short amount of time. So I stepped away from the coaching to help, to help with, uh, with my wife. And then I just got the itch. I took six years off and um, I just wanted to get back into it. I missed the competition. Uh, the man in the arena, if you ever read that for Teddy Roosevelt, right? Like that just really is one of my favorite uh, passages because I love being in the arena. I love the connections with the officials, with the other coaches, with the players. I like being in a gym where the fans are 10 feet away and it's just, it's intensity. And I, I like the intensity. I miss the intensity. So that's why I wanted to get back in. Yeah, that's a great, uh, you know, story from uh, Teddy Roosevelt and I, I can sympathize and empathize with you. Uh, was it different going back this time, six years later? What was different about it? What was different about you? Yeah, well, I, I you know, you learn lessons. You, every day is you learn a new lesson, right? So when I went back into it, I, I had, you know, me and my wife had great conversations about it. But I had to give up some control. And uh, one of the things that I, it's good and bad, I guess, but uh, the first time around as head coach, I did everything. I didn't want to leave anything up to my assistant coaches except coming to practice and helping in practice. So I was doing most of the recruiting. I was doing most of the scouting opponents, uh, all the practice preparation. And uh, we de I decided, and Amy also chimed in, like, I have to give some of that up. I have to delegate a little bit better. Um, and that's that's what I did. And, and that's, you know, I'm going to tie it into working at Port Jervis High School. You did a good job at delegating with me, myself, and with, you know, Heidi Nyland, the other assistant principal. And that's one thing I learned. You have to delegate. You really do, because that would free up some time for me to say, to stay emotionally healthy. Um, you know, and that was important, too. So I gave up a little bit of um, that. And I have two great assistant coaches. They're phenomenal. They, uh, Micah Brand, whose wife works uh, in your school and, and Jamal Ennis, who Jamal has been with me for a long time. Um, they're terrific. So I, I, I trust them. I count on them now. I delegate. And then also I'm a little bit more flexible now. Um, I think sometimes when I was a younger guy and a younger coach, even a younger teacher, it was my way or the highway. Um, and I think from reflection, and I think that's an important piece for teachers and coaches, reflect every day what you could do better. I think that was one thing. I think I have to, I, I'm a little more flexible now. Great. That's awesome, Tom. Tom, tilt your screen down. You're a tall dude. You're like bouncing out of the top. No, the other way. There you go. Gotcha. There you go. So I could see. Um, and another thing that was different, you you went back and you're now coaching on Paul Ricard Court. Yeah. You named the court after your dad and and uh, just was so, so great. Um, you know, I, I was reading something recently about, again, when I went to your dad's services and the, the priest was talking about the dash. Right. Uh, right. Because those years now that ended his life were there and what what was in between. And he just did so many great things. What does it mean for you to be coaching on the court named after your dad? Uh, it's it's a, it's an incredible feeling. Um, and again, you know, my dad pretty well. And, and the people who know me know my dad. pretty well. He, uh, you know, he was he was the guy. He was just everything to me. So when all the, the way that I treat people and the way I try to treat people and the way I raise my family and and. The coaching is secondary, but just how to be a good person is what, you know, he did for me, you know, and, and I'm one of seven siblings. We had a big family. And I think every single one of my brothers and sisters would say my dad was a great role model. Mm. Um, you know, he did everything and everything was for a purpose. He's a great teacher, too. So he taught mathematics at the college too, college mathematics, and he coached there 25 years. So when they named the court after him, uh, that kind of came up and I wasn't really ready for it. And it, was it was brought to me. And I said, yeah, that would be that would be great. So coaching on his court is an honor. Um, it's nice to see, too, like 
me back coaching all his former players that play for him, come back to the games and they look at the court, they point at the court, they smile. It just makes people happy. And, and we're certainly happy that it's named after him too. Yeah. And I always enjoyed officiating his games. He was such a gentleman and, you know, it's a little story about you, like you and I met through officiating and I had a chance to officiate your games and, and yeah, you were, really into it and energetic and sometimes that you and I that that ended with some conflict on the court yeah but I always then when I got a chance to work with you I always said you know I got to see Tom Ricard in a very stressful coaching situation where then the next time I saw you after you know the technical fact you 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 said hey hey Andrew I want to apologize right and it showed the human side it showed the way you treated people Whereas some people like hold that grudge and they can't get past that. They got a technical file. Whereas you next time, Hey, Andrew, you know, I just want to yeah. apologize. Boom. And we moved on and again, you were, you know, back to coaching. It was great. And, yeah. um, I don't you know, that led, you know, go ahead. I don't, I don't understand how coaches blackball officials, you know, listen, if I, if I was blackballed every time I had a bad coaching game, I, I wouldn't be coaching. So yeah. I always feel like uh, me and my father were a little bit different on this. He hardly ever complained about anything. Um, <laughs> I, I'm a little different. I do still complain. But like you said, you, you make your point and you, and you move on. Like you have to keep coaching your team. Tom Finan was a guy that you know who was a superintendent at Delaware Valley. And I was the first year head coach and he's officiating one of my games and we're not playing well. And we're playing Westchester community college and they're always very good. And I was on Tom a little bit, you know, and he finally came over and, and told me said, Tom, stop complaining and coach your team. And it, it was perfect. It was absolutely perfect. And I, I always remember that to this day, coach your team. You can't spend too much time with the officials. Tom, you mentioned Port Jervis, right? And one of the things you took away uh, was delegating. You went back to Minnesota, closer to home, you're the district you grew up in, and, and uh, you know we've forgiven you. We, we, we love you. But what were some other things that you took back? We got to spend, I don't know how many years, three years, uh, four years together. Yeah. You know, what were some other things that you took back? Because you left as a teacher, and you right. came back as a, you know, a, a, a seasoned uh, administrator. What, what are some things that now are in your game as an administrator? Working at Port Jervis was the best thing that ever could have happened to me. Um, Port Jervis, if people don't know, is a very unique uh, community. It has a lot of, it's, it's, it's actually um, very diverse socioeconomically. People say, you know, well, it's low socioeconomic. Not, you know, there are some low, there's some high socioeconomic, um, but it's diverse in actually families, how they were brought up. There are new, newer families coming into Port Jervis. So that was a very good experience for me um, because coming from Minnesink as a teacher, again, it was my way or the highway. And most of the time, that's just the way, you know, that's what it was. Going to Port Jervis definitely uh, opened my eyes a little bit, and you, and you had to be more flexible. So at Port, um, it's busy. You know, as a high school assistant principal, you are busy no matter what, whether it's Minnesink, Port, Middletown, Newburgh, Europe, you're, you're busy every single day. And one thing that I struggled with early was getting bogged down um, with the discipline. And you would, you would come in the office, and you told me, you saw me, and you, re- you recognized that I was stressed out. Hey, listen, 80-20, bro. <laughs> That's what you said to me, 80-20, bro. And that meant get out of your office. Go see the good things in the school. Go check out Mrs. Uh, you know, Long's class. And, and you get in there and the music and you go outside and you go watch the phys ed classes. So that's one thing I really took away. You, you got to don't get bogged down in the discipline. You have to go see the good things in the school. Um, 
Another thing that I think is very important is that every morning you, me, and, and, and Heidi would greet the students walking in the front door. And that's one thing that I do now. Now it's a little different because I have to be on bus duty in the morning where I'm at. Um, but every kid that walks off that bus, I say, good morning. How are you? And those little connections, I think, go a long way. Yeah. Yeah, there was good times. And then we learned a lot from you. And people watching live certainly could say hello to Tom and, and ask a question. Corey uh, Ferguson watching here. We appreciate that. Um, Tom, in addition to taking things back from Port Jervis, what from your coaching life, uh, you know, those lessons in leadership, you played basketball your whole life, you're coaching your whole life. What are some things that you take from the court now and put into your leadership uh, role as a school administrator? There, and again, as you know, every, they're, they're tied together. Athletics and, and coaching and teaching are very mm -hmm. similar and being an administrator. They really yeah. are. It, it, you, can, you can apply so many things from the classroom to the basketball court. So one of the things I always believe is the harder you work, the luckier you get. And I'm not sure exactly who that quote is from. It might be Thomas Jefferson. The harder you work, the luckier you get. Um, when I was a graduate assistant at University of Buffalo back in the late 90s, um, that's a saying that the coach, uh, that, that coach at that time would say. And I totally believe it. Not that you want to get lucky, but put the time in. Work really hard. And if you work hard as a student and you work hard as a teacher, you work hard as a coach, things are going to pay off. You know, one quick story um, from coaching with my dad, and this is actually a funny story. We're playing a game. There's, there's four seconds left in the game, and he would practice end-of-the-game situations every day, right? How often, though, do you have an end-of-the-game situation where you're down one or you're down two or tied? Very few times that comes up during the year. But we would practice it every single day, and we practiced one little simple play where our best player would come off a screen, get the ball, go down, and shoot the ball. And I, always, I, I thought to myself – that is the worst play I have ever heard. That is never going to work. But we worked on it every single day. We're playing Rock and Community College. It comes up. He calls timeout. We're going to run the play. Former player who's very successful business person now, Pat Schultz, gets the ball, takes three dribbles, shoots half court, it goes in, we win the game. And I'm thinking the whole time it's never going to go in. But every day we worked on that play and the execution. So I think the harder you work, the luckier you get sometimes. And, that, and that's a good example. Um, and I really think you have to teach your players uh, connections and extensions. So just like you're a teacher in a classroom, you have to teach the kids, how is this connecting to real life? How is it connecting to your life? And what is this going to help you do? So I, I again, I remember um, at Port Jervis, we had a, I don't know if it was a, it was a faculty meeting or something. And there was a guy named Michael Jr. He was a comedian. And you would put up on the screen, know your why. Yeah. And I think if you can teach your kids basketball, well, why are we doing this? They're all teaching ones. And the same thing in the classroom. Why are you doing this? How is this connecting to the student? And how are you extending it further in their life? You had that faculty meeting, too, where you got a standing ovation. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. Um, <laughs> Tom, you've had to put a number of years in as assistant principal and then the natural progression you have such leadership in all that you do is, is becoming a principal. Uh, is that something that you're aspiring to do uh, and, and that, you know, it certainly seems like you're ready for? Well, you know, it, it comes up all the time. And uh, the, the, the guy I work for now, Mike Larson, he's my principal over at Minnesink. He's a great guy. Very supportive. He's, just, he's great. Um, we've actually talked about that. And, and I don't think of it in those terms, like, I don't think, you know, I want to be a principal in three years or I want to be an assistant superintendent. 
Um, I just take it as it comes to me. I'm not about uh, titles. I don't know if that makes sense. If it makes sense for me and my family, um, sure, a principal probably one day would be good for me, assistant superintendent, whatever it might be. But I don't like to look too far down the road. And, and, and I remember from your office in the back above your desk, the grass isn't always greener on the other side, right? So I have a, I enjoy my job right now. Um, you know, I, I enjoy working with our faculty and kids. So who knows, you know, what the, what the future is going to bring. But yeah, you know, eventually, who knows? Maybe I will welcome it and, and try for it. Yeah, yeah. You got, you're ready and there's a ton of leadership there. And yeah, it's going to come to you. Tom, how about you yourself right now? You, you, you know, you and I have talked a lot about physical fitness and the running and, uh, you know, how are you managing this now? I saw a couple kids uh, uh, coming off a screen in the background of your house there as they're getting into the kitchen. Um, yeah. But how are you taking care of yourself uh, as a leader, as a father and a husband now? What, what are you doing at home? What's your routine like? So, I, unfortunately, I don't think I have a routine because of the kids being all the four kids being here. But um, it's a juggling act, you know, and I think one blessing that's come out of this craziness right now is that I get to spend more time with the family. So that yeah. I, I am just trying to focus on spending as much time as I can with the kids and my wife, Amy. Um, one thing that we have started as a routine and, and I'm better at now is we pray at night. I know that might sound hokey to some people, um, but uh, before bed now, we pray as a family. And that's important to us. And, and that wasn't happening during basketball season. It wasn't happening when I was, you know, getting up a little bit earlier coming into school. So uh, that's one thing that we do do. And, and I think that helps ground us and uh, makes us feel like we're we're part of something bigger. And I think that's important for the kids to understand. Yeah. And how about now? I know going to mass, like Easter Sunday's coming up here. Like yeah. you're going to watch on TV. Like what's your plan for your family here on uh, you know Easter? Yeah, we watch, we watch on TV. Um, one, one person that I, I enjoy and my wife enjoys listening to is a, a guy by the name of Bishop Robert Barron. Uh, he has a series called Word on Fire. He's a, a bishop out in California and I think Los Angeles diocese possibly, um, but he's terrific. So we're going to probably watch him um, today, Holy Thursday, Good Friday, and then probably Easter Sunday. We'll probably tune into him. Yeah. Tom, I mentioned to open the show about that book. Uh, again, reading that first chapter for 30 days, the success yeah. hotline. What are some things that you do daily to take care of yourself, to better yourself? Uh, you got me going with Google. You got me going with some different podcasts. You introduced me to Joe Sanfilippo, your, your yeah. brother-in-law here. You know, what, what are some things that, um, you know, that you uh, are doing each day that might take a little time, but have greater benefits? I like to keep things simple. So again, if you know me, I'm a, I'm a fairly relaxed person. Um, I, I, I want, I think sometimes we overthink things way too much. Uh, keep things simple. Don't overthink it. What I do is I definitely check Twitter uh, every day. I don't like to get bogged down in it, but I check Twitter every day. And like Joe Sanfilippo, like you said, it's great. Jay Billy's great. Um, you know, there's some, there are some great guys out there that give tips and, and I find that they're always valuable. Um, and you get the information and you see what applies to your life and you, you go forward. But I think Twitter, I check it every day for um, little educational tips, whether it's and, and coaching tips, too. I follow a lot of uh, coaches. John Calipari is terrific. Um, I, I get a lot of stuff from him. He, he has some wise things he says on there. But, yeah, I, I just try to stay in touch um, through the Twitter world. And I think that's helpful, too. Yeah. Tom, we've had so many mentors. You know, we spoke about your dad, right? As we were coming up, growing up, getting older, and 
people that guided us, uh, John Exanthus and John Bell and uh, Tom Bon, you know, people, uh, people like that, that had great influences on us. And, and I feel like now that we're in these positions, you're a head coach, you're, you know, on your way to becoming a principal, that we're now having that uh, the mentoring for others. Tell me about you taking on this role and, and who are some people, maybe, and you don't have to mention them, but about mentoring uh, younger people now that are, whether they're beginning teachers or, or things like that, mentoring others and coaching others uh, as they are starting to grow into different roles. Well, I, I think the biggest, you know, I, I enjoy mentoring. So I, I again, coaching and, and teaching and administrator, whoever, whoever is willing or able or wants to help, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy to give the help. I'm, you know, again, I'm not sure what kind of help I can give. There are probably a lot more qualified people than me out there, but um I think the big thing is you have to be uh, you have to be supportive. I really think you're supportive. You have to you have to accept failure. Um, so when a lot of you know when people, teachers or uh, players or even fellow coaches, everything doesn't work perfect all the time, guys. You have to be able to uh, take things in stride, uh, accept failure, and then of course it, you know reflect on that failure and see how you can make it better. I. I and I forget the exact quote too, but I've heard this from you where uh, failures, you know, every step back is an opportunity to step forward or something. A, a setback is a setup for a comeback. That's it. So, <laughs> um, so mentoring kids, I, the teachers, kids, whatever it is, you have to be supportive. That's the number one thing you have to do is support them and be there for them. Um, again, even in a teacher situation as an assistant principal, the first thing that I try to do is say, how can I help? How can I help? I'm not going to chastise. I'm not going to say, well, you should have done that differently right away. It is, how can I help you? We're in this together and we'll figure it out. Yeah, that's great uh, advice. And another thing that I do daily is I, I read The Leadership Freak. Uh, I sign up for his uh, blog. I love him. Dan Rockwell yeah. is a great thing. And today's was, you know, the four C's of accountability. You had talked uh, when you first started coaching, it was my way or the highway and, and, now you're talking about support. And, and he says here, uh, four C's of accountability, curiosity, connection, clarity, and contribution are, are ways to hold people accountable without creating stress. You have to hold your players accountable. You have to hold your teachers accountable. You have to hold your students and even parents accountable. Yeah. Um, what would you say, Tom, your style is in accountability. I remember when we interviewed you, right? I said, what's your style? And you said, well, I don't really have a style, but <laughs> It's to be authentic, right? I remember right. that you said that, uh, and I, I always like that. But we have to hold people accountable in our roles, but we could do it in a certain way. Tell me about uh, about accountability in our work. Uh, you have to have clear expectations. So you have to be very clear in what you want, uh, again, from players, from teachers, um, because if you're not clear, they're not going to know what to do. There's going to be questions. So being clear is, is super, uh, super important for that. And you, you have to you have to have high expectations and they have to know you have high expectations. And one of the, again, I, I, I you hear all these quotes. Right. So I, I think low expectations is a form of bigotry. I think say, well, that that student is, is poor. He can't do it. That student is a minority. They can't do it. Well, that all these reasons why you can't have high expectations. And it's just not true. I think you have to have, be really clear and have super high expectations. And then again, be there to support if they fall. So they have to know what you're telling them and know exactly what you want. And then you have to have high expectations. And if they don't meet those expectations right away, that's where the support uh, comes in. But 
it's really, really important in my book to have these high expectations for your athletes, for your students, for, and for your teachers. I love it, Tom. You're doing a great job. Uh, Tom, let's get to the rapid fire questions here and uh, uh, we'll get this wrapped up. I know you have some things to take care of and, uh, you know, it's, it's amazing how much time we have, but then how, how kind of busy we are in, in our home environment. So um, let's get to rapid fire, Tom. These are quick answers. Uh, the first thing that comes to you. Okay. Uh, the last book you read. The last book. Uh, it's, it's tough reading books nowadays, but uh, I, I not too long ago read The Last Amateurs. Uh, John, uh, Feinstein. John Feinstein. Yeah, yeah. My, my son Thomas is reading it now. He loves it. Yeah. Patriot League. Patriot League. It's a great book. John, he, he just came out with a new book. I haven't got it yet, though. Yeah, he's great. You, you've been to a bunch of the Patriot games with me. I enjoyed that. Eric Hipsman is watching. Uh, he came to Army uh, with us as well. So uh, last movie you saw? Just watched Rudy two nights ago with my son. Two both my sons. And actually my daughter Catherine was there too. Love it. Every time I watch it, I take something else away from that movie. It's, it's a tearjerker. Yeah. The, the, you love Notre Dame. And uh, we actually watched that with my family too. Yeah. And uh, sneaking in the window. It's the classic American story, right? Little, little guy uh, it makes good, right? So you can't do it. You can't do it. But through hard work, perseverance, he gets it done. So yeah. Love it. Yeah. Uh, favorite place to travel besides Notre Dame? That's that's a good one because I love that. We're going again this year. They better have a season. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's interesting. So the, the, the most favorite place I've ever traveled was Siena, Italy. Me and my wife went for our 10-year anniversary. Um, she'd studied in Siena in college. Oh. And for 10 years, we went back and, and, and stayed with the family that she stayed with when she was there. Oh. So Siena is my favorite uh, destination. But the favorite place on a day-to-day – I kind of I like going to New York City. I do. I like going down to New York. It's nicer on a Sunday when there's not as many people there and you can find a parking spot. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. To, yeah. We yeah. just lost uh, all these closures. I was taking my wife next Sunday to uh, Hamilton yeah. uh, for our anniversary down there. It was on Sunday. Yeah, yeah. three o'clock, three o'clock show. Yeah, and uh, Sienna. Did you go to the horse race uh, in Sienna? That, that where they. Ah. The, yeah. uh, the palio, 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 palio. Yeah, I, I don't know. I can't. Yeah. But uh, we went to where the, um, the, the, not the square, I guess the square they call it. Yeah. The piazza. We went there where they had it, but it's an amazing place. Yeah. It. It's, if you have a chance to go, it's so laid back. Everyone's just relaxed. It's, it's really nice. And the church uh, of the uh, officials, right? The black and white stripes on the. Yeah. The Duomo. Duomo. <laughs> yeah. 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 Great. Uh, all right, Tom, uh, you said you're very laid back. I've seen it. But what are some things that get under your skin? What's a, what's a pet peeve of Tom Ricard? You know, I tell you, I have a lot. My wife tells me I have a lot of them because I'm always saying <laughs> to the kids, turn that light off, shut the door. You know, so <laughs> it's, it's actually probably leaving lights on in rooms that no one's in and leaving the door open, right? You probably, as a kid, my dad would say, what are you, be living in a barn? <laughs> thing. Yeah, shut the door. Constantly, I'm quoting my dad all the time. Turning the lights off. Uh, and how about in coaching time? You and I uh, again officiating and coaching. What's something that when an official does, it just drives you bonkers? I can't stand when it doesn't happen as much anymore. As you know, the officials are just compared now to what they were 20 years ago. It's different. Uh, but when the officials don't hustle, so they don't get, you know, they're not hustling and they're not running. And it just drives me crazy when they make calls when they're not in good position because they're just not hustling. And it doesn't happen as much now. It used to happen often when the officials weren't in as good a shape. Uh, but that does drive me crazy where they're not, they're not in the right position because they're not hustling. 
Yeah. And you're coaching at the junior college level. And I learned this really early on. And again, to respect people like you, they're coaching at that level. They're giving it everything they got. That game is as important to Tom Ricard as, you know, uh, for Roy Williams at Carolina. And, And someone said, don't you ever take, you know, work less as hard at that game than you would at, at, at Syracuse for Jim Beheim. Yeah. Someone said that to me once, a veteran official said, would you, would you treat Jim Beheim like you would, like you're going to talk to that coach uh, who might be Tom Ricard or somebody at a, at a community college. And that, and that, and that hit home to me early on about never, you know, work less because you're working at a different level. And uh, you know, that, that must drive you crazy if they don't hustle. Yeah, and, and, and from your point exactly, another lesson from my father was, my, and again, I, I tell us, my father, he might as well have been coaching in Madison Square Garden. That game meant so much to him, and you're selling your players short if you don't treat that game like you're playing in Madison Square Garden. Mm-hmm. My dad mm-hmm. did every day. He coached his butt off every night, and, and hopefully I, I do the same because I don't want to sell my players short. I know you love Notre Dame. Why Notre Dame, Tom? How would you, how'd you fall in love with Notre Dame? I'm kind of a I'm kind of a sap for for history and tradition, you know. So it's uh, being a Catholic kid growing up, and and I don't know why it was Notre Dame because we have no family history with Notre Dame. Um, but I think it's just being a Catholic, and and 1981 is kind of when I first remember uh, following them, and they were pretty good in the early 80s. They won a national championship in the late 70s. They were good in the early 80s. So I, I, I love the history and tradition. And if you've never been to South Bend, you gotta go to you gotta go to the campus. When you walk on the campus, there's just a feeling that you don't feel anyplace else. Yeah, love it, and good luck getting going. I know you've been traveling out there with your uh, your children. I would I would challenge you to go to a Notre Dame game on the road to a Big Ten stadium. I took yeah. my son this past year to the Big House, and it was uh, yeah, it was cool. It was an interesting thing. So maybe hit a road game this year. Yeah, that actually they're playing at Pitt, so we might we might do that. So we'll okay, see. yeah, okay. Best purchase under a hundred dollars that has had a great impact on your life. Under a hundred dollars, um, I, you know that's a that's a great question. I, I don't know. You know what it is? I bet you it's Audible. You know what Audible is? Oh yeah. Audible and it's great with the kids. So we download uh, books, you know, uh, on tape, and we in the car we listen to it. Because the other day they love it. Dad, can we put on Audible and we put on Winnie the Pooh, and, and they love it. So I would say Audible. I uh, just got Malcolm Gladwell's "Talking to Strangers" on Audible. So that's a, a okay. great, great book. Something uh, about Tom Ricard that people don't know about. You know, I'm pretty – what you see is what you get. I'm not the most exciting uh, person probably <laughs> in the world. Um, you know, I guess – you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting story. So I spent the night in Hoboken train station. I, uh, I slept in the actual train station. We went to an NIT game in the garden, drove to Hoboken, took the path train over, and then the car wouldn't start in Hoboken. So I slept in the, in the train station. Because back then there's no cell phones. I had to wait the next morning until the garage was open, and then they had to fix the car. Oh, so I, my God. It wasn't the most pleasant evening. I had to sleep with one eye open, but that's all right. Uh, I believe we all have a book in us, Tom. You have a ton of stories and, and actually shared some ideas about a book. But what would be the title of your book? You know, it's funny you asked that question because I was talking to Amy about this a couple of weeks ago. Um, and I really – I believe in keeping things simple. So it might be something like get out of your own way. You know, keep things simple. 
something like that. Just get out of your own way. Sometimes we overthink every decision. And it doesn't have to be overthunk. You have to just sometimes go with your gut. You got to go with your instincts. You have to be authentic and do things for the right reasons. I, I, I sometimes think we overthink it. We don't keep it simple. And sometimes we really think we're more important than we really are. Seriously. Great points. <laughs> Short-term goal, time required, three to five months. I just want, you know, it's a good opportunity to spend more time with my family because during the season, you, you're never home, right? You know, you know the life. So uh, next three to five months, spend more time with the family, do as many things, go for walks, read books, uh, do some projects around the house. I think that that would be good. Yeah, we've fallen in love with some board games. You're loving it, playing chess with my son and my, my daughters, and uh, it's fun. How about a long-term goal, Tom, three to five years? Three to five? Um, well, uh, professionally, just want just, I always want to be in a good spot. So as long as I'm healthy and enjoying what I am, you know, I can see myself being in my position in, in five, three to five years. However, um, you know, who knows? Maybe I'll be a principal one day of a, of a, of a school district. Yeah. Tom, you've done a great job today uh, sharing a lot of wisdom. You're on Twitter here at Tom underscore Ricard. Uh, is there any way, you know, uh, people get in touch with you if they have questions about SUNY Orange, questions about college basketball? How can people get in touch with you? I gave you Twitter. Is there any other way they can connect with you? Um, Twitter's probably the easiest uh, way, but I mean, they certainly can email me. Um, my email is T. N as in Nicholas, C as in Catherine, Ricard, R-I-C-K-A-R-D, at Gmail. Okay. Anything else you wanted to share, Tom, before we, uh, before we go? Know, I, I know you're into books, and I know you've, wrote, you've written a book, and you're writing another book. But I tell you, a book that I would recommend for anybody, uh, coaching, personal life, is The Score Takes Care of Itself by Bill Walsh. Um, that was something that I put on Audible, and we listened to going out to Notre Dame uh, last season. And – it's just a great book. Any aspiring uh, leader, any aspiring leader with a coaching principle, the sport takes care of itself. Go walk. Love it. Tom, I'm going to bring the music uh, back in here. You stay on the line so we can say goodbye. Uh, but this was Tom Ricard, everyone, uh, middle school assistant principal. We're going to mute you so we don't jack this music up. Uh, I'm jacking this up right now. Sorry. There we go. All right, we are going to sign off here at Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving, episode number 122. This was Tom Ricard, everyone. Tom, thank you so much, and I uh, appreciate it. We'll see you soon. Reach out to him on Twitter. I am at AndrewMarada21. If I can help you in any way, uh, don't hesitate to reach out. Thanks, everyone.